Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So before I start, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Philip. I actually serve uh, in, the, in the 6 p.m. service, so you, maybe if you don't see me a lot here. And we're just really experiencing a great um, joy in the evening service and really what God is doing there and, and really how we are building and, and growing in, in what God wants us to do. So you're, you're, you're more than welcome to visit us, but you're not more than welcome to stay. You can visit us, but don't stay with us. We, we are reaching the unreached. We are mindful of the seats who are empty with us at this moment. And those are the people we want to reach. And if I say join us, I could be pulled into the office and saying I'm recruiting from the morning services. So I'm just saying that. But yes, I'm Philip and I'm part of the, 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 the family for about five years and about two years, I think, already here in Namibia. So it's been an amazing journey. So for the last three weeks, we have done a series called Spiritual Warfare. Now, if you were not with us, I, I, I encourage you to go to our website um, and go and listen to every sermon. It was, it was informative, it was encouraging, and it was transformational. And, and they all build up, so you will get a bit of what was happening, but they build up, and you can listen to them individually, but they're so helpful when they come together. And so I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to them, go and spend some time listening to them. And then Mega just said something that I want to include here, is he said, let's not give up on meeting together. And that's a very important aspect because sometimes I believe when, when we do this or when we say come to connect groups or come to trainings, it's like we're trying to steal your time. You know, like as, it's not what we're trying to do. Like when, when, when the Bible says come together, it says and stir one another on. You know, we come together to build one another up. And so we're going to move into a message today, moving together but also fighting when we're not here, and it's called resisting evil. But I want to add a word to this title to say the joy of resisting evil. So what we want to accomplish in this few minutes that I have is to, at the end of it, you want to resist evil with a joy in your heart. So when you have a value on this and a greater value on this, you quickly and easily say no to this thing. And that's what I want you to experience today and and have established in your heart that when evil comes your way, you have such a joy of Christ in your heart that you just say no. And that's what we we want in all our lives and all that we do. So let me pray for us and then we start. Lord, Lord, we lift this morning to you. We give you this service, Lord, and we... We thank you, Father, that everything this morning was for your glory, God. And we we thank you, Father, that what you're coming to do, your spirit, the move of your spirit this morning, God, is already shifting and changing and bringing transformation and bringing truth. Lord, I just see an exchange, lies for truth, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're exchanging this, 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 this morning, Lord. And so, God, I just pray, Father, that you help us. And Lord, I just give this message over into your hands, Lord, and pray, Father, that you come and do what only you can do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the Lord knows every single one of us here this morning. 
He knows exactly the battle that you're facing. Exactly, exactly the thing that you're, you're sitting with, the struggle you're, you're facing, the thing that seems like a mountain, the, seems that, the thing that seems out of proportion in your life. He knows exactly that thing. He knows all of us sitting here who have ever doubting God. You could sit here this morning and you have a doubt of God in certain areas of your life. And God is absolutely aware of that. God knows every single mother, every single father here this morning. And He knows us. He knows the battle. He knows the, the, the evil. He knows the resistance. He knows everything that you may be going through. He knows the, the nights when you're on your knees and you're, you're crying. God is so aware of that. God is so aware of all of us who are married about the battle, the struggle, the disunity, the dysfunction that is happening in your marriage. God is absolutely aware of that. God is aware of those of us who are sitting here and you're just absolutely failing in not sinning. You're just finding yourself habitually sinning over and over and over and over again. And maybe you're falling sexually or you're, you're caught up in fits of anger or you're caught up in a lack of self-control. But you're just over and over and over and over and you're unable to, to get out of that. And you're wondering what, what is happening. You know, the Lord knows every one of us here who is sitting with trauma, past experiencing, depression, suicide, all of that, all uh, the trauma that you could have experienced, abusiveness in your life, God is absolutely aware of it. And God is so aware of you if you're sitting here and you say, but I have everything. I have the job, I have the money, but I have absolutely emptiness in my inner being. God is aware of us. God is absolutely aware of all of us. And, and what I want to plead with us this morning is that we start fighting for the condition of our spiritual lives. That we start fighting, and I, I, I start by saying if you're married, the fathers and the husband, there will be, I say there will be a special accountability towards you for fighting against the spiritual condition of your family. Not merely because you're the head of the house, but you, if you remember Genesis... When, Adam, when Eve ate of the apple, God went to Adam and said, Where are you and where were you? Where were you when your family was, was falling apart spiritually, when the evil was there? Where were you were fighting for them for the condition of their spirituality? God, and I'm pleading with you, if you're not married, you're an individual sitting here from whatever age that you are fighting and fighting for your spiritual condition. That when the evil one comes, that you're doing something about it. Because God is going to keep us, especially as His family. So I, say, I just want to say it again. Like He's keeping us accountable as husbands and, and, and fathers to ensure what happens in our households. And we are the head of the house. And God will approach us first to say, where were you? Where were you? And so this morning we're talking about resisting the evil one. And I, I have no pleasure in my heart, no joy about talking about this bugger, nothing. Like about the devil, I have, nothing excites me about him, nothing. I have no joy. So the only reason we're going to 
contribute a portion of the sermon to, to the devil and to, to his designs and schemes is merely to expose him so that we as the church can resist him. It's the only reason we're going to mention him. Here's, here's, I cannot preach a whole sermon of him. He doesn't deserve that time. He doesn't deserve that honor. And so we're just going to give him this portion of our time. We're going to expose him so that he becomes naked and we can see him and we're going to say, you know what, we joyfully resist you. And so that's what we're going to look into this, this morning. And then we're also going to say, we will not give him a foothold in this church, in our families, in our individual lives, in our societies. We do not give him a foothold. We do not open the door for him. We will not allow it here with us. But in fact, what we're going to do, we're going to joyfully resist Him. And so instead, oh sorry, the main text for this morning then is James 4, verse 6 to 7. James 4, verse 6 to 7. James, the book of James is like, a, is like another book of Proverbs. So if you ever read Proverbs, the book of James is like this. This guy just packs in topics upon topics. You're reading and he jumps from one thing to another thing. It's an amazing book, full of practical living. And, and he comes to this chapter, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, and he says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Our main, our main text is actually just verse 7. But I had to put the others because I, I feel they connect to this, to verse 7. It says, but it gives, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace. Forget about the proud. Focus on He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. He gives grace. What does grace do? It trains us. It enables us to say no to all ungodliness. All lack of self-control. So that's what grace does. And it says because of this grace, because of what it does, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we're going to look at the first part that says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his design. So we should not be um, outwitted by Satan because we're not ignorant of his designs or his schemes. We know exactly what he does, who he is, and how he functions. So then, therefore, we're going to resist him. So let's take a look at his designs. I'm going to give you six, six designs of the devil this morning. The first one, the devil is a tempter. So the devil is a tempter. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And he failed. But he tempted Judas and he succeeded. And so Paul gives this warning. And he says, I am afraid that the serpent uh, as the, the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So the, 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 the aim of temptation is not for you to succeed, but for you to fail. It is to lead you away from a pure devotion to Christ. That's exactly what he wants to do. So he comes and tempts you. And he doesn't tempt you with things that's not good and that's not nice. He tempts you with things that looks good and they look nice and they present themselves well. But it's in order for you to be led away from a pure devotion to Christ. 
That's what he does. That's what he does. And secondly, the devil, he's a thief. He's a thief. His aim is to steal. If you have been robbed, I've been robbed once and they took about like, I think like 50 cents from me. He wanted my bicycle and I told him, man, there's no way. Like you, you can take something else, but there's no way. So there's no way you're taking my bicycle. And, and so then he, he, he didn't, I don't know if he stole from me because I gave him some money. I'd rather call it a blessing, you know. But, but when someone steals from you, it's because they take away from you. They want to take from you. And, and it says, when anyone hears the word of God, of the word of the kingdom, and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in our hearts. So this is what he does. He allows us to hear the word. He allows us to hear the word. And then if you don't do anything about it, he steals it. Then you know who do you doubt? You doubt God. You doubt the word of God. Lord, but you, you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me, but I feel alone. So he, he allows you, he sows it, because his problem comes when we obey. His problem comes when we read and we apply this. But his aim is to steal. His aim is to, to steal. And whether just spiritually, whether physically he steals, he wants those type of things to happen. So this, maybe you have had a situation like this where you were reading your Bible in the morning and then you went to work and you faced the situation and that whole reading, that whole encouragement, whatever you were meditating on was just gone. Like he, he wants to take that from you. So that when you face, you have nothing to hold on. So he wants to come and steal. And he's still in our minds, he's still in our thoughts, in our hearts, and he inserts his doubts and hesitations in us. So he's a thief. He's a thief. He's a robber. Then thirdly, he's a murderer. The devil is a murderer. If I can put him in one word, he's bloodthirsty. The devil is, is bloodthirsty. It says, you are, the father, you, are the, you, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. So what, when it comes to suicide, just the other day in the Namibia, it, it spoke about the increase of children's suicide in Namibia. That, that's, not, that's not just, it doesn't just happen. That's him. It's what he wants to do. He wants to come and destroy. You know why he puts suicide thoughts in your mind? It's because he wants to kill. You know why he's, he's pressing on this abortion thing? Because it takes a life. And maybe it has happened to you. Maybe you've had suicide thoughts. Maybe you're sitting here and you're having suicide thoughts. Or you're sitting here and you, you've thought of abortion if you were pregnant. And he wants you to kill. But I want to tell you it's not the plan. That's his plan. It's not God's plan. And then he murders. When you think of murders happening all across, is he wants to bring murder. And these are the reasons why I started by saying we need to plead. We need to be, be fighting for our spiritual condition. Because nothing about him comes to do good to us. Nothing about him. Then I go on to say, fourthly, he, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. 
and does not stand in the truth. The devil is a liar. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Another, another translation says he speaks his native tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Someone who's a father is the head. He's the boss when it comes to lies. He knows the system. He knows how to bring them about. He knows how to make them more subtle. He knows he's the, he's the essence of falsehood and deception. It's who he is. He deceives. He, let, he leads people astray. Then I go on to say, fifthly, the devil is an accuser. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. Day and night he's accusing the people of God. He's accusing God. Look at your people. Look at what they do. Look at the wrong that they do. So he accuses God. He accuses spiritual leaders so that he can create gossip. That's, the, that's what he does. The, the, the greatest thing that brings division and separation and disunity is gossip. Gossip is like, a, it's like it's pornography. It's like, you know, you, 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 you make someone naked, you expose them. That's what you do with gossip. And then, and then, he, then, he, then he comes and he, 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 he accuses us ourselves to cause condemnation and i remember there was a time in my life where i was wrestling through something not good it was a sinful thing and and i remember the the devil came to accuse me and he came and I, it, condemnation fell so bad on me that i started praying lord man can your spirit just not depart from me but he accused me brought me into a place of condemnation that i feel that there's no way god can still be with me if i'm like this and so he comes and he brings that accusation against you. Thinking there's no way out. There's no way. Then lastly, his sixth design, the devil hinders the great commission. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. I wanted to come to you again and again, but Satan hindered hindered us you know when we plan missions for the church and we give you a pamphlet and we put them you know what the devil doesn't want is you to go on a mission you know what he what he doesn't want us to do is to plant churches He's, he tries to hinder that why because the moment we plant the church we establish a kingdom we influence a society we influence a nation he's trying perhaps all his power but he's failing because we don't care too much about him but trying to hinder our plant in Zambia. But we don't care. Because we, we will establish it. Even though if he tries to hinder it. You know what he doesn't want us to do? He doesn't want us to have church. He doesn't want us to come together like this. If he could keep you in the bed now, he would have liked it. He would have preferred that. You know what he doesn't want us to do? He doesn't want you to make disciples. He doesn't want you to influence someone else's life by giving them the good news about Jesus. He doesn't want you to do that. So if we're quiet, not sharing the hope of glory inside of us, He's okay with that. You know, He doesn't want us to go to connect groups. 
doesn't want you to do that. Why? Because connect groups, the motive of it is to help you to follow Jesus. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to take your, your hour. He's telling you, you know what? The church just wants another day. The church wants another hour of your time. When we bring you to, to training, the church just wants to waste your Saturday. So he comes and he tries to hinder for you from being fruitful and effective in the kingdom of God. That's his aim. So Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life and pays with death. It's what he does. The Satan promises the best. He pays the worst. Satan, he honors, he promises honor and he pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and he pays with pain. He promises profit, he pays with loss. He promises life, he pays with death. You see, the devil's destination is everlasting fire. He has no care to take us with him there. But every single thing inside of us should rise to prevent that from coming. He doesn't care. He has no conscience, no worry of people perishing in everlasting fire. And I strongly believe that we as the church should have a louder voice. A louder voice, a louder shout, a louder press. When it comes to these schemes, these designs of Him in society, in our families, in our marriages, and in our individual lives. Because He doesn't care too much. But then, then we come to the hero. So these are the designs. These are the designs. So whatever you had in your mind of what I said, and ever any area that you could have recognized right now as I was speaking or mentioning those points that the Lord knows everything about you, this is what you have to believe. And it says, and you, the Christ the hero, and you who were dead in your trespasses and, and the uncircumcision in your flesh, God made alive together with Him. God made you alive together with Him. Have forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Something that's nailed. This stage is nailed. This top part is nailed to the bottom part. Can you pick it up? No, it's nailed. So stuff that's nailed, we leave it there. Nailed to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. So this is the word you've got to focus on. He disarmed. So this is, a, this is the exact situation. It's like someone comes up to you, points a gun, right? He points a gun. Your emotions are running. Numbness is flooding your body. Your heart is pounding. And He pulls the trigger and it does this... You see what Jesus did, Christ the hero, with all these designs, and when the enemy comes to tempt us, accuse us, destroy us, break our families, you know what Christ did? He removed the bullets. And so the enemy is cluck, cluck, cluck. You know, and this is what he does, because if he has a gun with no bullets, your emotion, your experience will be exactly the same, because you fear the moment. But this is what you've got to remember, that Christ took out the bullets, so if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with your marriage, He took out the bullets for the enemy to destroy it. That's what He did for you. He did it for me. He came down and He did that. 
It can't go pow. It can only go... It can't do the other one. It can't overcome us, but what catches us is the gun pointing at us. And we fall to fear. But it's not the spirit that's in us. We've not given a spirit of fear. And this should be absolutely liberating to us. This this disarming, this disarming needs to sink into your heart like an anchor sinks to the bottom of the sea. You need to sit with this. If you remember anything from this sermon, because we forget most of it, remember this, the gun has no bullets. It can only make clack. Nothing else. The gun has no bullets. When you're faced with temptation, you look at him and say, your gun, man, has no bullets. When, you, when you're wrestling with your wife and it's not going well, you tell her, baby, this gun pointing at us has no bullets. Doesn't have it. You know when he comes with accusation, trying to condemn you? I'm free in Christ. Your gun has no bullets. And so that's what Christ comes in. Christ is hero, becoming man. You know when we read this, I was watching a story, uh, this biblical story, A.D., you know, when I watch that, a bit of my emotions get, get intrigued. But we read this word, we read the Gospels too emotionless. Because it was a real life story of Christ coming to disarm every power, all the rulers. And he said, he, this is what he said, the beautiful thing. He says, he says, I put them to open shame. I put them, I made a spectacle out of them. So this is what God did for us. He disarmed them. This is an absolute display of Christ's love and compassion for His people. By disarming everything. By disarming everything. So all we need to do is to live in His victory. He began began His ministry hungry, yet He is the bread of life. Jesus ended his uh, His earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet He is the living water. Jesus was weary, yet He is our rest. Jesus paid Uh, tribute yet he's the king jesus was accused of having a demon yet he casts out demons jesus wept yet he wipes away our tears jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver yet he redeemed the world jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter yet he's the good shepherd jesus died yet by his death destroyed the power of death that's the jesus so every time you look at this facing this gun you remember this jesus that took out the bullets you can make a note of that. Did you remember that? Do you remember the whole message if you remember that? He took out the bullets. And so for us to sink this in our hearts, we need to respond. So for us to settle this, what do we do about it? Here's the response. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Your entrance into this is salvation. So you being on the other side of the gun where it's disarmed, is you coming 
under the Lordship of Jesus. It's you providing Him in. It's you bringing in, saying, God, you're my Lord and Savior. It says, resist the devil. Ach, submit to God. Resist the devil. Submission is us coming in in an absolute surrender. Saying, He's the Lord and Savior of my life. And so if you want to access this freedom, access this. And here's the thing, He's going to come with the gun one, again and again. But we've got to remember the bullets are empty. And when we come in Christ, when we put on the helmet of salvation, because this is where he plays with our minds, this guy. So we put on salvation. We transform our minds. Christ comes in and he lives in us. Makes his home in us. It's such a free gift. Like you do nothing for it. You just receive it. He puts it in. And he puts on the helmet of salvation. So here's the question. Do you have the helmet of salvation? Yes, this is what I'm not asking you. I'm not asking that you attend church. It's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you, have you met the person of Jesus Christ? Have you met him? This is, there's a difference between you, 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 most of you know about me, right? But not all of you know me. And there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him. And we need to get to know Him, not about Him. Yes, we talk about Him. Yes, yes, yeah, I know Him. I know He died. I know He did this. Yes, I know about His promises. No, is His promises yours? Is it with you? Or do you know Him like that? So that's the knowing I'm talking about. So if you want to resist the, the evil one with joy, this is what you've got to do. Nurture your faith. What the devil is after is your belief in God. When he strikes with sicknesses, when he strikes with disunity, when he strikes with marriage choices, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to doubt him. He wants to tamper with your faith. Because your faith is the thing that gives you the assurance. It's the thing that you hold on to, that gives you the hope. It's what makes you believe in this God that came down. So he wants to mess with your faith. That's what he is trying to do, is to get you to doubt He's trying to get you to more than doubt and actually renounce. Saying, this cannot be true. That's what it, just, just if you know it. So if you ever doubt God, that's not God. If you ever have a hesitation of whether he's true or not, that's not from him. You can cut the last part and it's true. That's who he is. So we nurture our faith. How do we do that? Nurture means to take care or protect. How do we do that? So it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How do, how do you gain faith? How do you gain faith? It's through hearing. Let me get a nice piece. Through hearing. You, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how shall it make, make saltiness and be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under the people's feet. That stirs my faith. Lord, I'm the salt and the light. And you know what you do when you read the Bible? You can read it out loud so that you can Hear it, speak it, and come back in two years and hear it again. So that it increases your faith. We, we're not called to, to, to put on our notifications on our phones with the version app and read the verse of the day only. It's not, that's not our devotion to God. We set aside our time. We sit with Him and we read and we hear Him and we listen to Him. And then this is how we feel about it. This is how we feel about it. We come to a place where we respond like this. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Think of your favorite dessert and think of what it does to your emotions and your feeling and your satisfaction and all of that. Do you read the Word of God and feel like that? Do you feel so satisfied when you open this 
And you go and you, you read through Genesis, Deuteronomy, and what is it, Leviticus, Exodus, and Leviticus, and you come to Leviticus and you say, God, I'm just so, this, this, this genealogies, they're so sweet to my mouth. Because that's normally where we end is to these genealogies and these laws and all of that. But you know what I want to encourage you to do is to keep reading. Keep pressing. Go through all of that. Even if you read it, you don't understand it, you don't know what they're saying, you don't know who's who, just keep on reading for now. Press through and come to a place where you say, Lord, your words are so sweet to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, many times I wake up in the evenings, in the weekends especially, through the week I'm a lot more structured. But in, in the week there's, there's just this, like, I get this desire in me. Lord, I just want to be with you. Can I just sit and open this book? This is, my, this is the one I don't normally do devotions out, but this is the one I just normally read. Like lying on the couch reading. Like reading and reading and saying, God, your words are so sweet. And then it goes to say, your words, your words were found. I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I found your word. I found it, Lord. Somebody bought me a Bible. I found your word. Or you downloaded the app, or however you found the word. And you said, I ate them, Lord. And they became my joy. Is that what the word of God do to you every day? Is it saying, oh, I, I ate this and it became my joy? Or is, is this your joy once a week? Once every two weeks? Like, is this our joy every single day? Because this is what will make us stand. How do you know? How, somebody told me this. I think it was Dave. When he, when he spoke about how, how, people identifying fake notes, that they actually make them count real notes. So how will you know when the evil come and what do you need to resist? It's by knowing the real note, knowing the real truth. So you keep reading that and you say, God, this is the delight of my heart, for I'm called by your name. So God calls us into just reading and sitting with him and enjoying it like you enjoy a good meal. I don't know, this is eating. It must be the similar. You know, eating gives us such a satisfaction, such a, such a joy, like such a, it's something about food that just, and that's what the word has to do to us. It's the same feeling, the same emotion that you need to get. So when you, and do, who of you eat, Where you, whether you're sad or not, or it's been a rough day or not? We eat. We always go to the food. But somehow we skip eating this if our day didn't go so well, or our feelings are not in line today. So we're like, oh, I don't feel like it. I just feel like going on Instagram and playing or posting on Twitter and playing on Facebook and watching this and watching that and we, we, we skip the real truth. You see, when it comes to reading, you need to read beyond your emotion, beyond what you feel. You read because you want to know Him. You don't read this. To, you're going to gain knowledge. It's going to be great for you, but you read this because you want to know Him. And if you don't know the truth, how will you know the lie? If you don't know the truth, how will you know the lie. And you see, if Satan gets you to not read your word, he's fine with you. You're good with him. Because you will not know the truth. Secondly, so how do we respond? Firstly, if you want to resist evil and you want to understand Christ the hero, you read your word. And secondly, you pray. It says pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. 
If we really know what happens in prayer, we'll actually pray a lot more. If you really know what's taking place while you're praying, you're going to start praying a lot more. And Jesus responds to His disciples. He says to them this, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Be in prayer. Be watchful. Here it, it, it even says it the same. Keep alert. Keep alert with all perseverance. With making supplication for all saints. So prayer on two levels. One, pray for yourself. Pray for, pray for, pray for your household. May you be on your knees for your household. May you, who, had, who had knees like a camel? What was that guy? Oh, prayed so much. But anyway, when you pray a lot, you get knees like a camel. That's what they say. So you pray on your knees. Just pray. Just seek the face of God for your family, for your life, for the nation. And then secondly, pray for the saints. Pray for the church. Pray for the service. Pray for the previous service. Pray for this evening service. Pray for the people that believe in God all over the world. It's supplication. This is not just for us. This is the whole body. So pray. This morning I was, I was waking up my, my wife and I told her we need to pray. This today we need to pray for the church. We started praying 8.30, 10.30, 6pm. Because we pray. There's something that happens when we pray and we trust God. And you need to understand when you open your mouth and say, Lord, you're speaking to the one who created heaven and earth. We feel a privilege going into someone's office or house that is of high status. We feel such a reverence and awe. Can we feel that coming into the throne, into the prayer and saying, Lord of hosts, I'm praying to you. He's, it's such an fa- act of faith as well when we pray. So we need to pray for our families. We need to pray for us. You need to pray a lot. You know when I go to work in the morning, I drop my wife and I pray my way to the office. Then I work and I work and I pray in between here and there. And and then I drive back praying, picking up. Praying and praying. And I'm I'm not talking about you just praying for hours. You must pray. But pray through the day. Pray where you find place as well. It's not just in your devotion time and in the morning and in the evening. Pray. Keep yourself in prayer at all times. When you recognize the temptation, Lord, I recognize that. And God, I just thank you. I need no need to fall in that. I don't need to go for that. Keep in praying. And then thirdly, the last thing that would help you to joyfully resist the evil one is obedience. It's obedience. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand the evil one. What does it say? Therefore, take up. Not this one. This one is coming. Take up, meaning you need to do something. Your clothes don't jump out of your cupboard onto you. You need to put them on. The same with the armor of God. It's not going to bounce on you. You put it on. You approach. You come. And you get it. You get the whole armor for free. You don't need to pay for it. But you need to come. You need to come. So it says, therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. If you note the word, there's a, walk, there's, a, there's a word walk there. Not run, not sprint. Walk in Him. Your journey with Christ, is, it's, it's a journey. It's a walk. It's a long journey as we walk and we walk every day. 
we walk, but we need to be in obedience. It says, therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. That's where submission comes in. We receive Jesus, the Lord, the Master, the Boss, the, the Host of Hosts. And we come under His submission. And you see, our submission to God is not once-off. It's daily. Daily submitting to the, to the submission of, uh, to, the, to, the, to the Lordship of God. Our continue, if we continue submitting to God, we will be able to continue resisting the devil and he will continually flee from you. So you continue submitting he will, you, and, and resisting him, he will continue fleeing. It's just what will happen. It's just the result. It's, it's what will take place. So the more we know God and His Word, the more we can trust and obey Him, the more dangerous we become to the devil. The more we know the Word of God and the more that we obey it, the more He cannot do anything to us. The more He will be fleeing away from us, not being present in our lives. So when last, when last did you open this book and you read it, and when you were done, you said, I will apply. I will apply this this week. I will do this this week. You know, because you, we, we get stuck on all the places and the this and the that, and we don't understand this. And we don't, you know, just take what you can apply for now. And the more you read, the more you'll understand. The more you read, the more you'll understand. The more you read, the more you'll understand. The more you just wash yourself with the Word. But there's a time, well, there's, there's not a time, there's an everyday time where we need to apply. We need to do something. And is the question is, is, is all of us under the submission of God? Because sometimes we tend to lean only to the big things. But is your thoughts, the way you speak to your colleagues, your wife, your children, your family members, is that under the submission of God? Is the way we handle our money? I was reading this one thing where it says 21 questions of accountability. And they asked, the thing is, did you honor God in your money today? How did you spend your money? Because... He can make us waste money. We can do that. And so we want to come under the submission of God in all we do. So you, wanna, you want to read, you want to pray, you want to obey. Read, pray, and obey. Come on, read, pray, and obey. That's what you got to remember. So you remember, read, pray, obey, gun is disarmed. Read, pray, obey, the gun is disarmed. Read, pray, obey, the gun is disarmed. Clack, clack. <laughs> so the, the, you read. These are the simple habits. I want to call them almost the simple habits of victory. Like if you just read, pray, and do what was said, you know you'll get fired if you, don't, if you, if you have a contract at work but you don't do work. doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense reading a word without applying it. Paul, the James calls it deception. And so he literally says, do not merely read your word and deceive yourself. And so we got to read, we pray and obey. And we are aware of the schemes, but we focus on the hero. We focus on Christ, the hero, Jesus. And I, I trust that Jesus will become more real to you than he was before you walked into this building this morning. That he will become a literal person like you know someone else. That you know him like that. I know him. I know who he is. And his words, him himself is like honey to me. Amen. Let's stand.
Lord, we... Father, first we just rejoice in your victory, Father, that the gun is empty, Lord. And God, I thank you that right now, Lord, you have encouraged us, you have boosted us to know the thing we're facing, God. It's, it's empty, Lord. The gun has been emptied, Lord. The hero has come. And you've, you've, you've emptied that gun, not of, of, of some of the bullets, of every single bullet, Lord. You've even removed the, 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 any possibility of putting bullets back, God. There's no way. And Father, I thank you that we have not spirits of fear, Lord. It's not what we have, God. And I just thank you, Father, that there's victory right now, Father. People who are here just thinking, I just want to commit suicide. But Father, you've brought them and said, the gun is empty. You don't need to do that. God, people who here maybe have experienced, God, them literally being robbing, to being robbed this week, this, this past week, God, and they feel so angry with it maybe, Lord, and, and like they've been befrauded. But God, we know that you will come with restoration, Lord. So Lord, I just pray, Father, that if we, all we can remember is that the gun is emptied, Lord, and that we will read, pray, and obey you, Lord. And Father, the, 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 the response to that will be us saying, it is so sweet, like honey to me. It's like honey to me, God. It gives me such a satisfying feeling in me to know you. So God, I thank you for your hand upon us. Father, I thank you that we're a family, Lord. Knit us together all the more, to stand together, to pray together, to live together, God. And Father, I just thank you for your goodness, your mercy that is new every single day, Lord. Your hand that is upon us that we don't even see at times, God. We, we notice one thing, but you're busy with so many other things in our lives. God, we thank you for your good and pleasurable will, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you keep us, protect us for this week. And Lord, I thank you that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, we live under your submission. We read, we pray, and we obey. Monday, the gun is empty. Tuesday, the gun is empty. Wednesday, gun is empty. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the same thing. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.